Let's take a breath before I say a prayer and proceed. Talk about when things rise from the dead. Do we believe that? Have we seen that? Okay. Close your eyes. Listen to the plane. <laughs> that come out of this imperfect vessel transport your message of radical love to everyone that's gathered here inside and in the wings of the Chapel of the Transfiguration and that you hear that word loud and clear today. Amen. Okay. So, what do you think Megan, is the question that I get asked the most. <laughs> Jackson, what do you think I get asked the most? I don't know. <laughs> Judy? I don't know. <laughs> Ken? Where am I from? What's that? Where am I from? No. How did you become Who said that? I did. Oh, give me a hug. <laughs> the question I get asked most, does Travis get asked that a lot too? What I get asked the most is, you know, why do I get dressed up like this? Come here on Sunday, sing these hymns, read this book, and try to say something about something. Why do I do this? There are about as many answers to that gene as there are antlers in the National Elk Refuge. <laughs> but there's one answer that I know is true of how I got here, that continues to be true, Ethel, as my life goes on. When the plane landed here, I've been here for one month, on September 1st was my anniversary date of how long I had been sober, which is 36 years. That was pretty wild. Why'd that happen? <laughs> that was me plane landing, Jackson. In May of 1985, my cousin, John Reese, was murdered. We were the same age, we were both 23, we both had problems with drinking. This event was grotesque beyond belief. John was in a river. He was unrecognizable. He was found by my uncle three days after he had died. 
when the body's in the water that long, you can't identify it. So John was identified through his teeth. We're a tiny, tiny little waspy family, and that made us even tinier. Nothing that crazy, nobody died in a war, nothing had happened until this event of John being murdered in an unsolved murder. We never found out who did it, we never found out why. John's crucifixion, and yes, I will call it that, John's crucifixion made me look to the heavens. In this reading, you hear about heaven and hell, and you're like, how does this apply to my life? In that moment of John's murder, I began to think about heaven and hell and the meaning of everything. I wanted some wisdom that was whistling through the teeth of Jesus Christ. <laughs> In today's parable, we hear about Lazarus with his sores and his empty stomach, and he goes to a beautiful place. And I sure as hell hope that John went to a beautiful place after he was murdered in 1985. Today's parable is a cautionary tale about kindness and the importance of kindness. The rich man with the fancy clothes ignored Lazarus, and he is not kind. And he lives in hell, according to our story today. Megan. He begs Lazarus to come and serve him, and Jesus says, what? Nope. <laughs> You're going to stay there. I have warned you and warned you and warned you. I have given you warnings. I have sent you prophets. And you weren't listening. <coughs> As I get thrown these readings every week, sometimes there are words that show up, like heaven and hell and sin, and they, 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 they kind of fall puritanically as we say them and read them. And they also require, I think, a certain sensibility of perfectionism. You know, if you're not perfect, then you're not going there. If you don't do this, then this is going to happen. And I'm not perfect. That's one thing I can tell you. Anybody that knows me is that I'm not perfect. And I didn't become a priest to be perfect. Those two P words do not go together. The more imperfect I am, the more the Holy Spirit can come into this place. Perfectionism blocks the Holy Spirit. So what is applicable today? What, what can we, what can we use? 
how about the golden rule? Does everybody know what that is? Who knows what that is? What is it? Do unto others as you have them do unto you. That's right. Let's all say that. Do unto others as you have them do unto you. Say it again. Do unto others as you have them do unto you. The great gift of that, that piece of wisdom that Jesus gave us is that we don't have to do it perfectly. The rich man did not pay attention to the golden rule. He made himself golden. He looked good. He ate well. And he went straight to hell. <laughs> according to our story today. <laughs> he had no time for the mess of Lazarus. Lazarus is messy, he's got sores, he's, he's crawling around under the table and looking for crumbs. And Jesus and God have all the time in the world for that unrecognized, marginalized, forgettable person. I don't know if anybody has lost somebody to murder in this room. Well, I mean, I guess we all have, because it's, in a sense, it's the message of the crucifixion. Right? So God really wanted me to get this message to become a priest, I guess. <laughs> Literally. It's, it's so senseless. Did that life have any meaning at all? But God loves Lazarus and all his imperfection. The story today says to be kind builds an archway under which we can welcome one another. Kindness matters. Kindness makes heaven. And there can't be enough kindness. My mother often said that to me. The word kind comes from Old English. It's related to kin and kindred spirits. All those words, kindergarten, I think. I didn't research that before. <laughs> but they're all connected. So when we're kind, we make kin. The world gets bigger. My family gets bigger through kindness. John's murder unequivocally was unkind and I could have easily in that moment in May of 1985 turned away from religion away from church away from the whole thing angry that God had wrought this on our tiny little family but somehow I went into the church basement first and worked my way up, and here I am today. <coughs> I walked into the priesthood through the space that John Reese's body made. Jesus' message has worked on me slowly. It hasn't been a burning bush. And here kindness, little by little, has become my profession. 
And the chasm that we heard that word, that word Jackson, you know what that is, right? Is he still there or is he going? Chasm, right? You know what that is, right? What is it? Listen to your daddy. He'll serve you well in life. What is it? A deep valley. Oh my gosh, so good. A chasm is a deep valley. We hear that word in the gospel. To be kind is also different from being nice. Minnesota nice. You ever heard that? I'm from Minnesota. Everybody's always nice, 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 nice. And, but it's not the same as being kind. Jesus was a kindness entrepreneur. And sometimes he was not nice. Think of all those times with the Pharisees when he's giving him a slap down for more kindness. He wants more kindness. And sometimes kindness takes elbow grease. Henry James said this about kindness, that kindness was the most important thing in life, and that there were, there were three things that were important in life, said Henry James. The first was to be kind. The second was what? Ethel. Very good. Say it louder. To be kind. And what was the third most important thing? Very good, very good, very good, very good. <laughs> kindness means sacrifice, and kindness can take years. The rich man doesn't give Lazarus a second thought. He might have been nice, but he doesn't sacrifice anything, and so he suffers. Are you with me so far, Gracie? Yeah? Oh, good. How's Helen? Look at Helen. It's not in the sermon, but this baby is <laughs> gorgeous. My first job as a priest was working in the emergency room of a Trauma One hospital in Hartford, Connecticut. There was a lot of gang violence in this hospital. It was a thousand bed hospital with a Trauma One helicopter that landed on the roof. And one night, a Latino boy was wheeled into the emergency room. I was dressed somewhat like this and asked to attend the mother while they worked on the boy that had been stabbed in the chest 25 times. I held the mother's hand. She did not speak English. I did not speak Spanish. And at uh, 6 in the morning, the boy died. I was certainly trying to be kind, but my kindness had limits. There was a chasm. Remember that, Jackson? What is it? A deep valley. There was a deep valley. For one, I was 45 years old. Have you ever tried to learn a second language when you're 45 years old? <laughs> but the boy's crucifixion, and I will use that word, propelled me into action. I moved to Honduras, the murder capital of the world. That was my first job, learning the subjunctive as three people were killed every day. 
I moved to Spain and I spent years in a basement, like the basements of AA, learning grammar. I shed declensions like antlers. And I stuck with it. And I came up against perfectionism. It was a great priestly lesson not to be perfect standing in front of a congregation in Madrid and mispronouncing just about every single word. <laughs> but kindness deepened within me, and I moved places that rich man in our story never gets to go. My last job in New York City, Jan, was, good to see you again, I haven't scared you away. Jan's been here every Sunday. Um, my last priest act was a, a, a Colombian wedding. It was just crazy. I don't know if you've ever been to a Colombian wedding, but you know, we danced all night. I was in a Congo line, and from, <laughs> from um, that emergency room to the Congo line, kindness I share with you has rewards. I'm in the kindness business, in the Lazarus business, like my friend Tina Welling, who's right there. She wrote a book called Tuesdays at Jail, who goes every week to work with inmates, listen to them, get their stories down, the marginalized, you do that. That, my friends, is kindness. It's all over the place here. Your town square with the antler archways is kindness to me. Antlers hard as the teeth of my cousin John Reese. Antlers the Boy Scouts collected from the Elk Refuge to encourage welcome. In that letter to Timothy, I mainly focused on the gospel, but I love those choice words of Timothy. I love the letters to Timothy. He encouraged, Paul encourages Timothy to fight the good fight, to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And that's kindness. That closes the deep valley. Especially... the endurance, that word endurance, I associate with kindness. I was very touched by meeting Ethel before we started. Today is her birthday. She was married for 62, 63 years. Um, and my parents were married for 59 years. And all the time that I've been out here in Jackson and doing these sermons and getting to know all of you, my brother, my non-religious brother, has been acting more like a priest than anybody I know, attending to my mother, who will go into a nursing home tomorrow, underneath the, that, those antlers, underneath that threshold, to be closer, hopefully, to the angels, 
after the most recent death of my father, who died a few days before I arrived here. The mission statement of St. John's goes like this. Quote, we are a passionate, imperfect, imperfect family, leading the way to make a love-spreading difference in our community and beyond. Perfectionism will get us to the circles of hell, and not the town square of kindness. The rich man in the story rambled around in a billionaire house, complaining he had no warning. But we get warnings. Prophets speak to us. My crucifixions turned into compasses. John Reese died so that I could live. That's Christian language for you that makes sense, that has meaning. John died so that I could live. The boy in the hospital died. Why? So that I could preach this sermon, so that I could talk about kindness with some understanding. Sink your teeth into kindness, Jackson Hole, as I leave you this week. Kindness requires sacrifice, Helen, and kindness will pay you back, Megan. Just ask. Tina Welling. Ask her what she gets back. All right, in closing, there was a poet named George Herbert. He was a 17th century priest and a poet. He's my hero. And this poem combines everything that I've talked about. There's a tune of kindness in it that will lead us to the Eucharist. You ready? Love bade me welcome, yet my soul drew back, guilty of dust and sin. But quick-eyed love, observing me grow slack from my first entrance in, drew nearer to me, sweetly questioning if I a guest, I answered, worthy to be here. Love said, you shall be he. I, here's the imperfect perfectionism part. I, the unkind, the ungrateful. You ever feel like that? Sometimes unkind, ungrateful. I, the unkind, the ungrateful. Ah, my dear. I cannot look on thee. Ryan, love took my hand and smiling did reply, who made the eyes but I? Truth, Lord, but I have marred them. Let my shame go where it doth deserve. And know you not, says love, who bore the blame? That's Christ. That's John, that's the boy. And know you're not who bore the blame? Ah, my dear, then I will serve. That's my brother. 
bore the blame, then I will serve. You must sit down, says love, and taste my meat. So I did sit and eat. That's what we're about to do. I'm about to welcome you to this altar one last time here in 2022, asking you to uh, shed your perfectionism like antlers. That is heaven. Kindness leads to celebration, and that includes John. Where the dead rise. That was the last words of this gospel today. And they do. The dead rise. And they're with me. And my family is larger as a result of this choice that I made all those years ago. Here is a threshold of kindness through which I invite you to come this morning. Kindness makes the kingdom, Ethel, and the kingdom come. That's it. You want to hug me? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I'm done. Amen. <laughs> <laughs>